Welcome to the Getting Soul Fit Podcast. I am your host, Melissa Page, addict, alcoholic, turned sober and free, mental health advocate, guest speaker, fitness cover model, trauma-informed life coach, intuitive empath, lover of laughter, donuts, authenticity, and addicted to growth. Each episode, I will host a special guest or topic that will help empower you to conquer any and all obstacles and fears to rise. This show is your one-stop shop for raw truth and unapologetic growth. Welcome back to the show. I am really nervous to go over this next topic with you guys. So the most recent episode of the Getting Soul Fit podcast was all about getting sober young. And I kind of touched on my story um, around getting sober young. And I actually had a lot of you guys reach out to me wanting to know more about my story and what happened and what got me um, into my, you know, my own journey into sobriety. So this episode is my story, um, fully transparent, walls down, and I'm hoping that it can definitely help some of you um, on your own journey. So here's my story. Um, I was born and raised in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, growing up, I always kind of felt a little different. Um, I was always, I've always felt like the awkward kid at school. Um, you know, I went to a lot of schools growing up. Uh, we moved uh, a few times. And so, you know, being the new kid at school, it's always a little, can feel a little, a uh, little nerve wracking to say the least, but I was also socially awkward. And I kind of felt uncomfortable in my own skin. I continued to feel this way until I was like, I would say 14 years old. And up until that point, I was a straight A student. I always loved music. Um, I played the violin. I loved playing the violin. Um, The violin was my outlet. (laughs) Music in many ways was my outlet um, for stress and, you know, just dealing with life stuff, right? I, I could get lost in my music and feel better. Um, and up until I was 14 years old, that was my, that was my drug, so to speak. Right. Um, but then I met some kids that were very similar to me in many ways, as far as, um, our home life and, uh, you know, just kind of like, uh, I don't want to say the outcasts, but they weren't, um, they were in their own group. You know what I mean? Like they kind of, uh, they held their own and, when I met these kids, they seemed confident, they seemed happy, um, and I wanted I wanted to feel that way. I wanted to feel like I was a part of something. I wanted to feel happy and confident and all the things, right? I mean, you know, everyone, no matter your background, no matter where you're from, we all want to have a sense of belonging, right? Um, so they accepted me into their group, and they introduced me to the rave scene. So literally in one summer, you guys, I went from, you know, being a straight A student to um, going to raves, taking ecstasy, uh, partying, (laughs) staying up all night, you know, and I would lie. I'm sorry, I would be lying if I were to say that it wasn't fun for what it was worth. It was absolutely a blast and it was so much fun. You know, I could wear my baggy jeans and my my cute little top and <laughs> my Adidas visor and like um, uh, my cool Adidas tennis shoes and dance and dance and dance and fit in and 
you know, be liked and all the things that that sense of belonging gives you, right? And have a have a crew. I had a crew, right? Um, it was a lot of fun, you know. And discontinued. Um, I would go out maybe like once a week and or once every couple weeks, whenever I could sneak out of the house because you can't exactly ask your parents, "Hey, mom, you know, can I can I go to a rave?" That's not really gonna work. Um, so during the day I was a good student ish, you know, um, my grades weren't impacted as of yet. And then at night on the weekends, I would sneak out, I would go to raves. Um, and that was that, you know, and then as soon as I turned 21, I felt like it was my, my card, right? It was my, my license to just go. Drinking was legal at that point. I was now 21. Um, let me back up. The first time I drank, I was 16 years old. I was at a house party, so to speak. With, I was with friends uh, who had older siblings who were able to purchase alcohol. Um, and I had never drank before that moment. And I didn't know how to drink. And I was about five foot, five, something like that, 110 pounds, maybe dripping wet. I was a small girl. And I, I remember asking one of the older kids, I say kids loosely, they were 21. So one of the older young adults, you know, how do you drink? And they handed me a bottle of Goldschläger and a bottle of hot damn. And they said, drink this, chase it with this, which as you can imagine was not a good idea. And that's exactly what I proceeded to do. And for about maybe 30 minutes, I was not nervous i was not shy i was having a ball i felt confident i felt beautiful <laughs> i felt taller even um and it was fun and then i proceeded to pray to the porcelain gods for the next probably 24 hours it was bad i was sick for about a day and a half um and that was my introduction into alcohol and i i remember thinking like i don't ever want to drink like that again but i want to have that kind of fun again so I proceeded to chase that feeling until I got sober, you know, and when I turned 21, all bets were off. I was drinking, um, my drinking and partying, you know, cocaine is a part of my story. I started doing cocaine as well. And that was just to keep the party going longer because I wanted to be able to drink longer. I was tired of drinking and getting sick to my stomach. Um, because every time I drank, I did get sick to my stomach. So probably because I was drinking way too much, but I was a binge drinker, you know, and my weekend started off on Fridays. So it was just like once a week. And then it, you know, ended up being like Friday, Saturday, and then it ended up being Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then my weekend started on Wednesdays after work. Um, and they didn't end. I mean, my low key night, I had a low key quote unquote night every week. It was every Sunday. Um, I would watch, ironically, intervention of all things, and I would drink wine, <laughs> and I thought I didn't have a problem. But the thing is, um, I did wonder, you know, because I could never predict how much I was going to drink. So even on the nights that I would try to have, say, a couple, I would end up drinking, I would end up getting drunk every single time I drink. And I remember taking this test online. It says, are you an alcoholic, you know? And I took this test with no one around me, okay? And um, with no one around me, I lied on the test. <laughs> and even lying on the test, uh, the outcome was still the same. You might be an alcoholic. And I was like, man, you know? And I didn't like that answer. I thought that I could learn how to drink like a normal person. And I tried, I desperately tried to do that. 
Um, I read online somewhere that if you drink one drink per hour, you're a normal drinker. Or not you're a normal drinker, that it's drinking at a normal pace. So I went to a bar once, and or one of the times, and I, I got a pen, and I was like, I'm going to drink one drink per hour, right? That was my goal. Well, by the end of the night, I had I was going to draw a tally mark on my hand, on the underside, underside of my hand for every single drink I had. And by the end of the night, it was one big fat tally mark because I couldn't obviously drink one drink per hour. Um, it didn't matter if I drink once a week or like once every two weeks or five times a week or every night of the week. At the end of the day, like every time I tried to drink um, socially, I ended up getting drunk to say the least. Um, or I ended up getting drunk, embarrassing myself, or I ended up getting drunk and waking up in scary places and scary situations. Um, and that was my life. And I was loud. I started becoming more and more reckless. You know, they say addiction is a progressive Ill- illness and it, it really truly is. Like I, I went from like having fun with consequences to just having consequences very quickly so from 21 to 28 i without going into like all the details i was um held up with a gun i um i was attacked a few times i had money stolen from me um i had to go to the hospital like several times from for hurting myself like either falling or um running into stuff I I became very clumsy when I was drinking um yeah just like waking up in dangerous situations I wasn't paying my bills on time anymore I had started going to school you know um and I had to drop all my classes because they were getting in the way of my drinking (laughs) you know my drinking was impacting every single aspect of my life but I thought that just because I had a job and I had a, you know, I was going to school and I could maintain an A average in college that I didn't have a problem. But here's the thing about that. If you looked closely at my transcript, you would have seen that I had a lot of W's. Um, my thing was I will quit a class before I fell and I will quit a job before I'm fired, you know, and this continued until I was 28. And I remember the last night of drinking, um, and using drugs I didn't want to live anymore I remember looking in the mirror and I literally could not recognize the person staring back at me I was 28 years old I didn't have um, I was losing friends my family was distancing themselves from me and understandably so um, I was very close to losing my job at the time I was no longer going to school Um, I quit playing the violin and I loved the violin and I loved, I mean, I can't even express into words how much I love my music. And as soon as I started partying, the violin was put aside, you know? So basically, um, my entire life was revolving around this, this partying, you know? And I felt like I was in this glass box screaming and no one could hear me. That is how small my world, my world felt. You know, and the last night I was partying, I was partying with so-called friends and um, I felt like the loneliest person in the world, you know, and I was I was drinking and using to escape my feelings. But I remember that night feeling everything and nothing at the same time. 
And for people that have ever gone through that or people that are maybe going through that now, you know exactly that feeling. It's, it's one of the worst feelings imaginable. It is the most gut-wrenching, humiliating, horrible feeling like ever, 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 ever. And so I looked in the mirror and I remember praying. I said, God, kill me or save me because I cannot continue doing this. And I called my mom which I would not have done normally, but I called her and I said, I was crying and I was like, mom, I, I want, I've been, I haven't been telling you the truth. Um, I've been drinking and using and she's like, I know. And I was actually like, how did you know? <laughs> I mean, when people are in their addiction, we don't, we don't cover it up as well as we think we might. You know what I mean? The truth comes out. I mean, probably in the fact that we're not showing up for people or that there's only so much makeup you can put on to mask being miserable you know what I mean like I'm you're not sleeping I remember I was literally hammering blankets over my windows at night because just the idea of the sun shining the next morning it scared me because that would mean that I went through an entire another full night of not sleeping and here I was again ruining my life. It was the worst feeling to see the sun the next day after staying up all night. It is the worst feeling, you guys, like the worst. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some, Again, some of you might be in that right now. Um, and I'm telling you, I was there. I was there. And I remember thinking, I'm never going to be able to get through a week of not drinking. I, I don't know how I'm going to stop, but I can't continue going on and, and. Not like it ever really worked, but at that moment, that particular night, I felt like alcohol and drugs turned their back on me. It was like being in an abusive relationship that you finally wake up and go, God, I cannot do this one more day. One more day, right? Um, and that's what it felt like, you know? So I called my mom and I told her how I was feeling and what was going on. And she said, she said, my hands are tied. And that was like what I needed and I know it was hard for her to say that because she was always there for me but the best thing that she could have done is what she had done which is I'm not going to enable you one more moment you know um, I had to hit bottom I had to hit it bad bad I had to be emotionally spiritually physically mentally bankrupt and I was there all in all the ways <laughs> um my hair was falling out again I was 28 29 and I was shaking every morning I was throwing up every night my back was hurting my 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 kidneys I I didn't know at the time but it was my kidneys I was getting shooting pains um I was throwing up blood you know um I was malnourished because when you're drinking and using you're not typically hungry um it was just all bad. It, it was all bad. You know, I was dying. I was dying. And so she said, my hands are tied. Call your father. My dad was in sobriety at this point. I called my dad and my dad told me, you know, you're exactly where you need to be pretty much. If you want to kill yourself, it's a good place to be in because now you can get help. And he told me, do not call me again until you get help. And I thought that was the meanest thing. I was like, man, what an awful thing to say to your daughter. However, again, it was like the best thing that could have ever happened to me, right? So 
I got help the next day. I went to a support group. I got a support, um, a recovery mentor is what I'll call her, um, that helped me, you know, and she told me something that really hit me. It really hit me. I remember we were sitting outside of a Starbucks and she said, and I believed her. She said that woman, because she asked me what, you know, how have you been feeling? What's been going on? I told her my, a little bit of my story and I said, I just want to die and all these things. And she said, so that feeling and that woman doesn't have to exist ever again. You do not actually have to feel like this ever again. And I believed her. And that, and that was something that I had never believed until that moment. I was like, oh my God, there's hope, right? There's actually hope, you know? And so I said, what do I have to do? And I did, I, I say almost everything she suggested. I'm human, I make mistakes, and I haven't made, made many mistakes in my sobriety. But one thing I have not done is decided to pick up or drink. And one thing I did do right consistently is continue to one, get help with my sobriety, and I still do today, and two, help other people with my sobriety, and I still do today. Um, I've been sober since January 1st, 2011, you know, and since January 1st, 2011, I have experienced more friendship and more love than I could ever have dreamt up possible. Um, I moved to California, which is my one of my big dreams. I remember, <laughs> I remember sitting at bars and telling strangers how I was going to move to California one day and all these things and all these dreams, and they would just be like, okay, well, whatever you say, right? Um, I've got to travel since getting sober. I've got to go back to school. I'm pursuing my degree in psychology. Um, I'm a fitness model. <laughs> I've got to face some fears. Like I have a big phobia of flying and I have a big phobia of heights and I've ziplined and I'm flying now. I mean, I flew for the first time in a long time and I was able to get through it sober. Um, and it just keeps getting better and better, you know? And the thing about sobriety is like you get sober and like, it's not a walk in the park. Um, life still lifes it up, right? There's still going to be people that trigger you. There's still going to be bad things that happen. I've had my heart broken in sobriety. I've been, I've gone through a divorce in sobriety. Um, I've also met some amazing people. I've fallen in love in sobriety. I've, I mean, it's just the good far, far, far outweighs the bad. And everything that I've been through that's been challenging has pushed me and redirected me into something better. Everything that has been challenging has literally, like a compass, set me straight on a path that would better myself and or my life. You know, I have gotten confidence in sobriety, self-esteem in sobriety. I've learned how to set boundaries in sobriety. I know my worth in sobriety. None of those things I had when I was drinking and using. None. And there were things that happened in my recovery that I cannot explain other than there is something out there looking out for this girl, y'all. <laughs> and I don't care what you believe in. I'm very open-minded. Believe what you want. But I'm going to give you a little example of what I'm talking about. And this is a freaking miracle. Um, I was three months sober and I was going to a Roger Waters concert with the company that I work for and we were going to have an open bar. I was so nervous. I told my sober mentor, I was like, I don't know if I should go. And she's like, look, if you really want to see Roger Waters in concert, 
go. You don't get sober to settle. You don't get sober to hide. And I'm like, she's right. She's like, if you feel like drinking, call me, right? Drive yourself there so you have a way out. So I went to the concert. I was there about, I don't know, like an hour and a half early, right? And uh, there was no one outside the concert, which was really strange. Like most of us have been to a concert and um, most concerts, there's always people tailgating and stuff like that. So I went to the concert and met this guy. Um, he was standing outside. We just started talking. We were the only ones standing there at that moment. And he asked me, he said, well, you're not partying. Why aren't you drinking? And I said, well, I said, honestly, um, I'm sober. And he's like, oh, really? I said, yeah, I'm three months sober. And I started tearing up. I don't know why. Maybe I just felt like emotional because I'd never been to a concert sober ever up until that moment. And he goes, it's okay. He's like, um, I've been sober since. I can't remember what he said, but it was a long time. It was like 14 years. And I started bawling. I said, I'm so sorry. I'm not trying to be emotional. I said, but this is like, it feels so good to meet somebody that's also sober. That man, um, he was really sweet and kind. And he gave me his number and said, look, if you feel like drinking, um, text me and we'll take a break. You know, we'll go to the smoking area. This is when I used to smoke cigarettes. We'll go to the smoking area, take a little cigarette break and whatever. I said, great. So um, I went back to the guest suite and... um, you know, I started hearing the clanking of uh, my coworkers cheersing behind me. And all of a sudden I turn around, I see all, I see the alcohol moving in slow motion and I, my hands started getting sweaty and I was like, oh crap, I want to drink. Right. I texted the guy. I don't even remember his name. Um, we smoked a cigarette when I got, and I, I called my sober mentor. When I got back to the guest suite, all of a sudden I didn't see the alcohol anymore. <laughs> I just heard the music. I got lost in the music. I started dancing. I, I, I had the best time of my life. And when I was driving back home from the concert, I got stopped at a, uh, a police checkpoint. And I was so excited, y'all. I was like, heck yes, I am sober. Let's do this police checkpoint. <laughs> I don't have to worry about flipping a UE or getting chased down or anything. Um, and I was so excited that the cop almost like didn't, I could tell he didn't believe me that I hadn't been drinking. He flashed the light in my eyes because I was so excited. He was like, have you been drinking tonight? And I was like, nope. <laughs> and he's like, where are you coming from? And I told him. And then he, he put the light in my eye and he leaned in, right? And he realized, gosh, she hasn't been drinking. He's like, well, have a good night. And I was like, you too, officer. And I was so excited, y'all. I was so excited. It was the best feeling to know that I was being honest. I had a great time. You know, and there's been so many moments like that. I went to Vegas um, a few times now, but the first time I went, I, same thing, I went with some uh, sober friends and I, I got lost in the music. Like I was dancing to the point my feet hurt. I had people asking me what I was drinking. They're like, what are you drinking? And I'm like, I'm drinking a Shirley Temple on the rocks, <laughs> you know? And I remember one guy, he, he didn't believe me. He smelled it and he's like, really? I'm like, yeah. He's like, you're in Sin City and you're drinking Shirley Temples? I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> and it was the best time, you guys. It was so freeing. I don't advise going to, to Las Vegas, Sin City, <laughs> um, early on in sobriety. But what I will say is this. You can do anything and go anywhere sober that you could have done drinking. In fact, you do more. Like, I remember when I used to go to concerts, um, I didn't really enjoy them. I mean, I did enjoy them. 
but we would tailgate and get really drunk and then do drugs and then like we would show up and then halfway through the concert someone's arguing with somebody somebody's getting in a fight with somebody I'm crying for whatever reason right the concert's ruined and that's if I'm awake or I'm passing out and I have to be carried out I it's like I never really was present in any of these moments um even something simple I remember being about one month sober and going running outside on a I think it was like a Saturday morning and I, I realized that it was spring right I actually realized it was spring because the flowers were blooming and they were so beautiful and I hadn't seen them before I lived there and I hadn't seen the flowers before right like what <laughs> just stuff like that and it's like that is amazing I don't know that's amazing but sobriety is you know hasn't again hasn't been a walk in the park but every step of it has been more than worth it you know and if you are sober curious if you're newly sober if you're wanting to get sober um tell people you trust don't be afraid to ask for help get the help and take the suggestions even if they don't feel comfortable for example when I was getting sober I remember my sober mentor was like if people in you know our group ask you to go bowling I'm like I don't go I don't bowl you guys you know I'm not a bowler but if they ask you go you need to know what it feels like to have fun sober right um with like-minded people I have friends now that aren't in recovery um and they're really respectful of my recovery and we have a blast like if we do happen to go out I'll drink a bougie mocktail and I'll love it you know um but I also have friends in recovery and we also have a blast you know and it's just just don't be afraid to to, to try it get getting help and um you know hanging out with like-minded people and getting out of your comfort zone you know what I mean um get help you know it for me, it's like if I needed to get help because if I could have done it on my own, you guys, I would have. I tried. I didn't say that before. So I did try to get sober on my own. I did. And it didn't work. <laughs> okay. Um, because I was still the problem. Everywhere I moved, I was still the problem. And without getting help with my my traumas, dealing with that, dealing with my feelings, learning better ways to emotionally regulate, learning better ways to cope, with triggers because they they do come up people will trigger you events will trigger you situations life will life it up right I was always relapsing you know I had to get help um, I had to humble myself and get help and I I'm so glad I did you know um and I'll, I'll I'll close with this like you can do it if you are sick and tired of being sick and tired of the cycle that you're in it doesn't have to be like that forever. You actually don't have to feel like this one more minute of the day. You really don't. And I know it's not that simple. Um, my DMs are always open. Um, if you have questions about sobriety, if you, you know, you want to know anything, please reach out to me. I will also leave um, some really good resources and links in the show notes. Um, and I hope you guys are having a beautiful, I was about to say beautiful weekend because I'm recording this on the weekend. I know it's going to be Monday by the time <laughs> you listen to this. So I hope you guys have a beautiful week ahead. Um, 
if you're in the Bay Area like myself, stay dry. I know that a lot of us are so sick of the rain, but spring is right around the corner, you guys. My favorite season. Um, and yeah, like I said, once again, thank you for listening. Um, if you love the show, please be sure to leave a review. Reviews are always welcome. Um, and please be sure to share with a friend. Again, check out the show notes for some really good, helpful links for you guys. And again, my my DMs are always Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Check out the show notes for today's details on the show and be sure to share with a friend and subscribe. I really love hearing feedback from you, so please leave a review and let me know what resonated in the comments. Just a reminder, you matter, you are amazing, and you are a warrior.